Today on Karina and Kirsten Get to Work, we're talking about things that don't have to suck, and today it's evaluations. Yoo-hoo! They don't have to suck! They don't. They usually do. <laughs> Welcome to Karina and Kirsten Get to Work. I'm Karina Hoyer. And I'm Kirsten Barron. And we're so happy that you've joined us today, because as you know, we are here to talk about women and work. Because we want joy, meaning, and ease in all of it's your... It's the trifecta. It's <laughs> the trifecta. Hashtag ease, meaning, joy. I'm really working on that one. I am not kidding you. The whole you. world should resonate with hashtag ease, meaning, and the, joy. Exactly. I what do else not, is there? I don't know why it hasn't caught on. Maybe caught we should off. add like WW, ease, meaning, and joy, like... Hashtag women working is meaning and joy. Don't overcomplicate Sorry, sorry, sorry. You know how I am. It's my lawyer brain. I, I do know it. how you like to overcomplicate <laughs> things. It's your lawyer brain. Oh my God, my brain is all about springtime. We are deep in spring. I can't believe that it's been a year of COVID. And the world is awakening again. We're coming out of it. Mm-hmm. It's starting to feel a little the, bit. The buds, the flowers, the vaccine, the... It just feels really good. And changes to work. I mean, I don't oh, know yeah. if you're like me, but, you know, I'm have, I've am i had some like, wait, what? <laughs> What's so funny? I am <laughs> laughing because you're talking about changes to work. And the only thing I can keep thinking about is, oh, my gosh, I really have to think about what I'm wearing. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. Because we're seeing people. Yeah, we're actually yeah. seeing people. I mean, my yoga pants don't work anymore. I can't <laughs> yoga pants every day. <laughs> I actually ho- I've hosted a retreat in person of course with masks on outside you no know, limited number of people I've met clients in coffee shops and had like sort of this back to somewhat normal mm-hmm. experience with my work and um you know it's all thanks to being vaccinated I won't lie it's not you know it's not just because we're more cavalier but it's really interesting this is all happening in conjunction with spring at a time where it feels like possibilities, mm-hmm. there there's more possibilities. And there's just a, there's a change, there's an openness, um, much more is possible. It just feels really good. It feels really mm-hmm. good. And, and um, it is a breath of fresh air that I know I have needed. I have to say, uh, total side note about this, we were recently watching a, 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 a reality, no, documentary, and it was filmed pre-pandemic but it was but it ended right as the pandemic was isn't it so weird to look at things that were filmed like Mm -hmm. over the course of the pandemic yeah Yeah. and so this was like it was a the documentary was about um men in community college who are battling it out for um this like a basketball tournament and they were on their way to their state championship and covid shut them down and i'm telling you the ptsd I don't want to overuse that term, but yes. well, honestly, the reaction that I had, the visceral reaction I had to the experience that they were having reminded me of what it was like a year ago. And this spring is the coming out of that. Yeah. And it feels good, friend. But it feels really good. But I want to just acknowledge that there are echoes of the hard stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. There are just echoes of the hard stuff, reverberations of the hard stuff, you know, teachers, that are friends of mine are talking to me about kiddos in class who are struggling. So 
there's an opportunity, there's an openness, there's a freshness, and we just have to kind of embrace our collective heartbrokenness. Yeah. And also the impact of this on women and work. I yeah. mean, we've talked about this. We addressed this, this. Which I think is the heartbreak. Then that's the heartbreak. That is. Right? The, yeah. And so, you know, there are some systemic things that hopefully are being put in place to change that. And all the while, you know, we also have to celebrate. We have to celebrate that that this is oh also my a gosh. time of renewal. We totally have to. Otherwise, we'd be pulled into the pit of despair. Yeah, been there. Yeah. No. I don't want to go back. No. I'm going to go about and look at the flowers. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. Watch your hummingbirds, man. You know what sucks? COVID. COVID sucked. <laughs> COVID sucked. And I don't know if our listeners have noticed, but uh, this is one of what we hope to be several, maybe many. Who knows? In a series of things that don't need to suck. We started with meetings. Meetings don't need to suck. God, people really responded well. People love meetings that need to suck. Be- yeah, I love that. I'm be- so happy about that. I was worried about that. I know. I know. You know, I I guess I, because another one of those episodes where you were like, not quite sure. Not mm-hmm. quite sure, but you didn't anyway. But I buy in. Thank you. Thank yep. you for being that buy friend, in. that co-host. But yeah, today we're going to tackle evaluations because they also don't need to Apparently suck. Apparently they do. They normally do suck mm-hmm. it's fascinating for most people i love what you found out about the history of evaluations i had no idea about this me neither and it, it is rooted in the patriarchy of sisters. course it is not just the patriarchy but the military yeah what i know i'm like wow this explains a lot <laughs> <laughs> anything okay so tell folks about that no you tell them tell the level no okay. i have to take a drink of this okay brown take liquor. a so here's what what Karina told me, which is, I didn't realize this, but actually evaluations came out of the military during World War II. One. One. I'm sorry. Did I say two? I yeah. mean one. Evaluations came out of the military during World War One to identify poor performers and people to transfer. Yeah. So that's how we come up with this initial thing. And you're like, wow, I don't know if that system's going to be good for us. I'm not sure that's the best way to move from a militaristic World War One model. To 1960, when 90% of companies were using some sort of appraisal or ranking system yeah. as an evaluation. Yeah. And in the 60s, there was this, there was a sense that there was a severe shortage of managerial talent. And companies started shifting away from this, you know, merit-based numbered system more towards professional development, which I think is where we are trying to be today. I think so, too. But what's really interesting in looking at the the history of all of this is sort of like, how did we start and how, what were the what were the different flexes in this mm-hmm. in this sort mm-hmm. of cultural norm around employee performance and employee mm, yeah performance i guess and so we start in this militaristic world war one situation where where it's only designed to identify poor performers and move them out move them on Mm -hmm. and it gets people to get out yeah and so it's adopted by uh, many businesses and probably not highly successful this whole notion of a ranking system where people are actually ranked in comparison to each other and then you sort of cut off the bottom whatever 20 percent and get rid of them i mean jesus who That's wants to very, work in that environment who wants to work in that yeah right totally yeah so you can see how the 60s were like yeah that's not quite working for us we're gonna start in developing our employees instead but what was weird was as all of this like sort of push pull around mm-hmm. ranking and mm-hmm. hard nose like evaluation are you doing your good job or not we want to get rid of you but in comes this um 
a couple of things that forced a transition. And one of them was how income was taxed of all things. See, now you need to explain this one because this was too complicated. Right, for me. I know. Well, for my lawyer friends, <laughs> too complicated. For me. But merit based pay was not taxed the same way that base pay was. And so all of a sudden, oh, you've yeah. got all these shifts in tax law and anti discrimination laws. And so we have, we have a lot of people in the market, where, and we have companies that are trying to figure out how to not discriminate, how to skirt the income tax laws, how to figure out who to pay what who to promote, blah, 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 blah. And we ended up back at this ranking system. And so all of this history, I guess, I, I wanted to talk about it only to say that there's what's currently being done mm-hmm. is not rooted in some great, like, system, some evidence-based, yeah, developed, prove, yeah, no, you know, evaluated, let's bring people together and create a system that works. No. No, it's just like, no, no, it's shooting from this. We've been shooting from the hip literally since World yes. War One. The shooting part. And figuratively, yes. <laughs> and trying to figure out how to support employees and reward good performance and recruit and retain talent and, and get rid of the people who aren't doing their job. And it's been and nobody's gotten it right yet. No. And in in. It's so interesting that when you look at the data, whether it's the Gallup poll or the Harvard Business Review, whatever you happen to look at, managers, like nobody thinks they're knocking it out of the park. Yeah, I think every, right, exactly. About half the managers think they're probably delivering pretty good feedback. Employees are having an even worse experience. So we know that from the data, at least 50% of the folks out there are dissatisfied, which is why we say this does not have to suck. Yeah, exactly. If over, yeah, at least 50% of the people who get performance reviews say, God, that was terrible. <laughs> that was a waste of time. That sucked. I'm and not in, any more engaged in my workplace than I was before I had my review and my manager spent all this time doing this. Yeah, exactly. In fact, only 8% of companies believe that their performance management or evaluation process is highly effective. Only 8%. Everyone else is like, eh, I don't know, it's all right, maybe, at best. It kind of sucks. Mm-hmm. And 58% say that it's not, of managers say that evaluating their employees is not an effective use of time. Which is such a bummer. Which is why we are here to say evaluations don't need to suck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if they don't need to suck, Krina. And I really look to you, since you do a lot more of this work than I do, what is it that we do instead of this traditional numbered model of evaluations with some kind of throw-in comments? Like, what do you think the, what is the better approach? Yeah, and and this is a, I mean, obviously I'm not swooping in here and taking over, taking charge and saying I have the hundred. You do have some really good experiences though. I have a, yeah, thank you. And I think the thing, the thing that uh, I keep coming back to is that, you know, one of the reasons why evaluations suck so bad is because the premise, sort of the way that they're constructed and what we're attempting to measure and and our inability as humans to truly accurately measure the things that we're trying to measure. Mm -hmm. And there's been a ton of work, um, you know, probably in the last 10 years to try to refine these, these evaluations and really sort of address not necessarily how to make the annual performance review better, but really 
how to truly engage and develop employees. Which is the point of the evaluation. Right. But instead of looking at how to improve the evaluation, the response is, wait a minute, let's step back from the evaluation and look at the process generally. Exactly. Is the evaluation the right answer? Let's find out by looking at the process. I love that. Well, and also, yeah, and let's let's figure, like, let's take a look at the end goal. You know, yes. back in World War One, the end goal was try to figure out who, who to is, get out. Yeah, who's who's who are we moving on? Who are our stinkers? Who are we putting in the foxhole, and who are we so sending? So sad. Out? Oh, I know. But anyway, that was where we're coming from, right? And now, the real burden is to identify how to develop employees, how to maximize, how talent, to engage them, how to how to play on their strengths or how to utilize their strengths, how to minimize their weaknesses, how to how to um, focus on team. Which doesn't everybody just want that? I do. Yes. I mean, wherever you are in the world, don't you just want your skills and talents and strengths to be maximized and the things you're not so good at to be minimized and to be like shorn up and developed and, you know, resolved to some degree? You know what I mean? I would, yes, I do know. I mean, in fact, I would venture to say that that is probably one mm-hmm. of the keys to ease, meaning, and joy. Yeah. Having your strengths identified and developed. Uh-huh. So one of the things, though, what? What are you laughing at? I'm just ready for one of the things. Three of the things? No, just one of the things. Just one. Just give me one for the love of God. So this is something, Karina, and I will be honest with you. I have used this, one of the things I think that we found out in our research that I feel pretty confident in is that it's not the once a year thing of doing an evaluation that is effective. It is deeply engaging with the people you work with and your team about their performance. And I'm going to be honest, I am a stinker here because (laughs) I am, I'm a stinker here because I, somebody said to me, so what's your evaluation process, Kirsten, with that, and I was like, well, I give feedback every day. (laughs) That's good. No, it's really, I get it, right? But I was like, I give feedback every day. That was great. That really showed critical thinking. Boy, you were really tenacious about that. I'm really Mm -hmm. glad you stuck with that. Mm -hmm. Or, wow, that was a big mistake. That sucked. Well, why are you a stinker? Why does (laughs) that make you a stinker? Because I think what I missed until the last 10 years or so, maybe even the last five years, is a bigger picture. So Uh. I think I'm great at giving pat myself on the back, (laughs) I do give in the moment feedback, right? Which I think is what's really important about this. But I don't know that I, until later, really engaged in a more comprehensive review of somebody and where they were developmentally with their work and what they were trying to accomplish and what training they wanted, et cetera, et cetera. But the one thing that I took away in researching for this show is that the one-year evaluation is not it. No, it cannot, it cannot live by itself. It cannot live once a year. It does not. That's the goofiest nothing. thing in the world. No. And in fact, I think what you just suggested, which was the ongoing regular feedback, mm-hmm. is one of the things that is key to, again, doing what an evaluation should be designed to do, which is to provide feedback, opportunities to repeat things gone well and modify when things are not going when well. things don't go well, yeah. So I feel like the three pieces, the three elements, though, I know we're just begging for one. I'm going to give you three. The three elements, the things that can change rather than this um, World War One model. model is regular weekly check-ins with your either supervisor or direct reports. I want to talk a little bit more about that. 
I think the second thing that people can do, I think the second thing to replace the annual evaluation is what you just said, is identifying ways to do give real-time feedback mm-hmm. and meaningful feedback. And I think that there's a lot to dig in there. And I know we want to do that too. And the third is to really reevaluate this annual or reframe this annual evaluation into something more of a celebration, a conversation, a focus on that one individual where you are talking about all of these things that you've touched on throughout the year and you're helping identify the sort of next step in their growth and the pathway to get there. And I love that you really boiled it down to these three things because I think that, I mean, as I said, I'm the daily feedback person, but it's the weekly check-ins that I've started doing with folks more recently. And then the, I agree with you, it's all three elements. They've really changed since I was a person who didn't do all three. Now that we do have all three, I can see the difference. And then we just added to our review process, a res- it's basically a response from the person who's reviewed to present their business plan for the year. What do you want for yourself? What do you want to accomplish? Now that you've gotten this feedback from us, come back to us with what it is you really want to do and accomplish this year. And so I have watched the development of a review process just like you're talking about. And you found success in it. I re- certainly more success than, okay. Yay, I love it. Let's talk about check-ins. Okay. This is one of my favorite things in the world and takes so much time. So data suggests, no, data says that the single biggest driver of performance and employee satisfaction is a one-on-one check-in with their supervisor once a week. That is so fascinating. I got that statistic from Nine Lies about the Nine Lies about Which work, is that book you've been reading? Which is a book I've been reading. All my clients are like rolling their eyes like, good <laughs> night. We hear about this book all the I know. I bought the, the book too time. because I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to read the book now. It's really great. So it's so I'm going to say this again, weekly check-ins with everyone that you supervise. It doesn't matter what you talk about. It doesn't matter the quality of the check-in. What matters is that you You do do it. it. In fact, if you can, people find like, what is it? Like 13% more uh, increase in employee performance just by being able to touch base once a week with their supervisor. Which is fascinating. But even weirder is if you only do a monthly check-in. It's actually worse than no, no check-in oh, at all. Interesting. Yeah, it's a you see a five percent decrease in engagement in, and product and productivity. productivity. Yeah, and 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 the reason That's why crazy. is I know, right? So if you if you can only connect with employees every once in a while, just don't do it. You're doing more harm than good. You said to me some I can't remember when you said this to me, but you said. You should never have more employees than you can check in with every week. Exactly. And, and that, that's the that's, this is the data that supports this that. This is the data that supports it. And and the reason why is because at the weekly check-in, all you're doing is talking about what happened since the last time you talked and what's going to happen until the next time you talked. And a week is a great period of time because stuff happens, but it's not just like so granular. Right. Yeah. Which you hate that word. I love the word granular. No, you don't. And in fact, I have audio. I'm accepting the word we granular. We have audio evidence of the, how much you hate the word granular. I'm accepting it. Okay. I'm, I'm living let, I'm into gonna, I'm another gonna... phase of my life. <laughs> I'm, I'm moving into another phase of my life. I will let, I will give that to you. Just like my review process has changed. 
<laughs> okay, so these weekly check-ins, what they allow for is real-time course mm-hmm. correction, feedback on how things how things are going. The supervisor starts to remove barriers for the person who's working for them. You hear about the work ongoing. You make linkages between the conversation that you have with this person as a supervisor and then the next person that you're going to check in. And so those And then you see things over time. And you see things over time. I experience this with my clients even. Yeah. You know, I have one client who said to me, I love talking to you every, we talk every other week. He said, I love talking to you every other week because I only have to catch you up on two weeks. And so the conversation feels meaningful. And fresh. And and real time. Which of course is how we know feedback works best, right? Yeah. Like we know telling somebody weeks after, months after something happened is really not very meaningful. No, and you can't have any, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. It's that real-time feedback for sure. And again, we have statistics that support this, not Mm -hmm. only from Nine Lies About Work, but there's there's reams of it. So there's also data that says that companies who implement regular employee feedback have turnover rates that are about 15% lower than employees who receive no feedback. That's right. So it's more, you know, the data supports that when you provide employees this regular feedback, they are more engaged, more likely to stay. And feel more fulfilled in their jobs. Which, of course, we want. Right. 68% of employees who receive accurate and consistent feedback feel more. Isn't that interesting? If you want your employees. It doesn't even say good feedback. No. no. It just says feedback. If you want your employees to feel engaged and fulfilled by their jobs is all you have to do is provide accurate and consistent feedback. And you have a 68% chance of getting them there. That's right. And sometimes there are these things that you hear (laughs) that you're like, is it really that simple? And I'm not saying that it's that simple, but I'm saying you can get a long way. You can get a long way. Mm -hmm. And if you are, if you're not a supervisor, if you're the, you know, if you're on the other side of this and you're thinking, Jesus, My work sucks. (laughs) No. Asking for consistent and regular feedback can significantly change your experience. Yes. And this is a really hard thing to do. But there have been times when I feel like I've been very busy in my professional life. And I've had people who have worked for me who have said, I'd like to check in with you. And I'm like, oh, thank you. Uh-huh. It so I have as a supervisor really appreciated when somebody has said, "Hey, I want to check in with you." So that's been a nudge to me. So for all of those people out there who've nudged Kirsten over the years to provide feedback, to sit down and make a connection about work and to figure out what's happening, thank you. Yeah, and and, and it can be as little as 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be a life sentence. In fact, I've had people say to me, hey, can I get 10 minutes just to like check in about this? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. Just once. So grateful for that. So if you are somebody who works for a manager who gets too busy and overwhelmed occasionally, ask for a check in. Yep. And short 10 minutes. Can I have 10 minutes to check in with you about this? And yeah, exactly. 10, 15 minutes standing meeting. Uh, Standing meeting is great, but like literally when you're standing. No, I'm not joking. Yeah, so, we're standing. Yeah, we're standing. Like, like when we were, so we're not coming, sitting down, grabbing coffee, chit-chatting for an hour, coming, you know. No, we're standing. Even the standing meeting for mm-hmm. 15 minutes has the, the literally same standing. Minute. Literally standing meeting has this impact. In addition to these regular check-ins, the other thing that can replace this chitty annual evaluation is real-time feedback. And you talked about it at the beginning, mm-hmm. getting really good at seeing and hearing and observing and then reflecting back. What's going well 
and what's going poorly in the moment in the moment Mm -hmm. which apparently according to gallup only 14 percent of managers even believe they have the capacity to give it's so fascinating i think it's because i'm such an extrovert that's why i do it seriously i think it's my extrovert i think it's my extroversion that causes me to do it i would say it's also your willingness to observe and also too i have great people who work for me and i'm super appreciative Right. So uh-huh. my my they they are dear to me and their work is important to me. So I think I'm aware of it. Right. But th- I agree with you. Like that real time feedback. I appreciate it. Exactly. I get it. And it doesn't even have to be positive. In fact, you know, people crave feedback about things they could improve. People want to do their job Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. and they look for information about how to do that Mm -hmm. and that's where real-time feedback comes in you know more statistics here but recognition is the number one thing that employees say their manager could give them to inspire them to produce and so when you're looking at your own work and you're thinking wow a you know like why does this feel so awesome or why does this feel so shitty? It, it may actually be a product of the recognition that you get. Which is a, which is a type of feedback. Exactly. And uh, recognition on sort of in real time. Hey, Kirsten. Yeah. You are rocking this podcast. I love it. You're hilarious. My gosh, Karina, thank you so much. And you're giving me almost all of the airtime, <laughs> <laughs> which you know I love. Apparently, God sick and tired of hearing myself um but but yeah seeing and hearing and and being acknowledged okay we're ready to move to section to the third part of this i think so are you oh my gosh yes how we reframe the annual review right so okay what do you think well yeah what do you think you know what i have this very limited experience in watching my clients do their work and observing what happens in the law firm. And what I've noticed is that when we, as I said in the beginning, added that other step to our review process of feedback from the employee, it changed the entire thing dramatically. Mm-hmm. So my observation is when people have the ability to provide meaningful feedback and chart their own course, set their own sale, have their own agency over some of the things that they'll accomplish in the year, that it was a much more successful process. Mm-hmm. That was my takeaway from our experience. So how does that measure up, Karina, towards the conventional wisdom? No, I think you're 100%. You're right on. And I and what I'm hearing is that what you did is sort of, I think, where a lot of organizations and businesses are moving, which is, look, this annual touchstone on performance is really difficult we can't gain accurate measurements of how of a job well done over the last year when we can't even remember what happened mm-hmm. last month. <laughs> we can't accurately judge your performance, you know, from from feedback from people who have their own biases and their own experiences. But we can ask you to reflect on your work, to talk about where you'd like to go to be this to be more forward looking or future focused in an effort to do exactly what these evaluations should be designed to do in the first place is to develop employees it feels to me like evaluation should be more about planning 
Yes. That's what it feels like to me. I think it's focus on the person in a, in a like mm-hmm. celebratory way. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's recognize and honor you, um, you know, for a couple of hours, let's focus our attention on you. And then, like you said, and then work on development, mm-hmm. which I think it was planning. What's your plan for yourself? How are you going to develop yourself? Yes. Within the context of the company, the firm, the whatever. But I do think of it as planning. And the other thing that I think has been really effective is to let everybody know what to expect. Yeah. Here is what we're going to do. Here's the process. Here's where you have your input and your feedback. Here's what we expect from you at the end. Like, I am not a person to kind of be that deliberate usually, but I've watched in this process how helpful that is for people to understand what to expect. It is so... Which is sensible, right? I mean, it makes so much sense. Everybody should everybody should understand what to expect. From the person being reviewed to the people who are providing the feedback. This is one of those times when I'm like, what? You're not living in my head and you do not know what I'm thinking at all times? I mean... That's the one thing I think that's really helpful for managers to remember is like your people that work for you are not living in your head. No. And for people who are working for me, oh my gosh, you're not living in my head. Thank God. <laughs> we don't know. No, yeah. Nobody wants to do that. But the point is, is to be clear about the process for what folks can expect. Exactly. Yeah. And if you are going to do something like ask others to provide input in the review, if you are going to ask others to engage... It's really important to do the work to make sure that the questions you are asking are those that they can accurately answer. If you are going to ask others to sort of rate or rank or or give feedback, do they have the data? Do they have the experience? Mm-hmm. Do they have to to know what to say to provide feedback? And are the questions even framed in a way that they can honestly answer? You know, one of the things I read um, when I was designing a process for one of my clients was that you know. We can only, as humans, really accurately assess someone else's performance in relation to ourselves. And so questions about, okay, does Kirsten, on a scale of 1 to 10, does Kirsten uh, demonstrate cultural sensitivity? That's a really hard question for people to answer. Mm -hmm. But if I reframed it and said, on a scale of 1 to 10, you know, does Kirsten display cultural sensitivity when working with me? That's something we can or in meetings Uh or whatever. Like, can we get drilled down into the real question? Yes. Yes. Specificity. But actually, which we know that about feedback, right? All feedback is about specificity. Yeah. But I will say beyond specificity, if you can get specific to someone's experience with you, honest to God, phrases that say the word me in them, we are much more able to accurately respond. Yeah. To. So again, designing a process that is intentional, that asks the right questions of the right people. That's trans- Which means they know how to answer them. Exactly. That's transparent. And whose goal is not to figure out which one of the soldiers to get rid of. Who to transfer. But rather, how can we better support and develop you? That's an evaluation that doesn't suck. Yeah, that's an evaluation that and the other thing I want to just there, I mean, here we're talking a lot about what managers can do to make things better. Right. I mean, but I have to say, you know, I've called out when people that I've worked with have asked me for a check in how much I've appreciated it. Mm-hmm. And when we were planning for this episode, you said something that I thought was really interesting. You said, I advise everybody who's on the receiving end of a review to respond back 
to whoever reviewed them and to say, thank you. I appreciate the time you took for me. These things were really helpful. Here's what I heard. Here's what I heard. Here's what I'll be working on. And what's what's great about that, too, is I think if you have the right relationship with the person who is evaluating you, I think you can always ask for more. Mm-hmm. It would have been helpful to know how I'm doing on customer service. It would have been helpful to know how I'm doing relating to my coworkers. Like if there's specific areas, I really find it very helpful when people tell me. And I have asked a supervisor before for to say, when I first started my, my first law job, they would not give us our numbers, like how much we build, how many hours we build. Like all of that was absolutely, we were blind to that. Oh, And I was like, I need this data because you know how I am. I'm like, I need to know. We all know. We all know how you are. I need the data. And uh, my supervising attorney was like, nope, you're working on your legal skills. We'll give you that later. How did that sit with you? Well, what it really taught, what it really said to me was I need to be focusing on developing my legal skills and being a better lawyer and not worrying about hours billed and productivity and money. And so that sat well with me for the first two years. Mm-hmm. And then at that, and then, of course, I got the data. Right. So I do think there are some things where that feedback to me was they really want me not to work on the money. They really want me to work on being a really good lawyer. And I'm game for that. Sure. Even though I wanted other feedback, I understood why they weren't giving that to me and what they were expecting of me. And I was on board with that, which I wouldn't have been normally. And you asked for it and you got maybe you didn't get the response that you wanted. But I got a response that helped me move further along. Yeah. And I think that the the, exactly. So I don't think that people who are being reviewed should be afraid to ask those questions. Yeah. You're not a sitting duck in this process. In fact, actively engaging in your annual review or in any kind of review is highly recommended. Pay attention. What questions are going to be asked? What are you going to be measured against? What what is the your organization or your company's mm-hmm. definition of success? How do you fit into that? Don't sit back and let it be a process that just happens to you. Right. It's that idea of agency we talk about over and over That's again. That's right. You are the, you know, you are the captain of your ship. You are, you have your own agency. You can chart your own course. And I think that we sometimes really feel subject or I certainly did at some points feel subject to the evaluation. Yeah. But I think becoming a more active participant, which was my last experience with the review, changed my experience, frankly. And I love that. And I love the fact that, honestly, regardless of how your current situation is, regardless of how the con- whatever construct is that you're working within for this evaluation, the feedback that you get, somebody's taking the time to try to provide it to you. And so recognizing that, recognizing that it is in some ways a gift. Yes. A reflection of how you are working. Possibly. (laughs) Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. If done well. Mm -hmm. If done well, absolutely. But, you know, speaking up for the employee side of it, I also do want to say we start this this whole episode out with it doesn't have to suck well sometimes it doesn't have to but sometimes it does suck and I think when we're in that situation and we've made really good efforts to participate and to change the process and to get the feedback we're looking for and that doesn't happen I mean we can just take comfort in knowing that most of us have that same experience and just being like okay 
this does have to suck this year. Yeah, if it does. <laughs> right? If it, if it does mean, sometimes suck, it's like, ah, just let it go. Sh- yes. Can you let it go? Just let it go and move on. Yeah, it's not also, it's not the end. Yeah, it doesn't have to be the end of the world. No. But I always take solace when I know other people are suffering with me. <laughs> I do. And so if you're at the other end of a really crummy review and you've done your best to change it, take a deep breath, move on. Yeah. Yeah. And then have your supervisor listen to this podcast. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> In the meantime, enjoy spring. Oh, my goodness, folks. We are opening up. We are opening up. And I hope all you listeners that you get a really good review. I hope you get a really good review, too. And if not, I'm going to say it Screw again. Screw them. <laughs> Screw them and then also send them this podcast anonymously. <laughs> All right. Thanks for working, Kirsten. Thanks for working, Karina. Thanks for working, listeners. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Karina and Kirsten Get to Work is recorded and produced by yours truly, Karina Hoyer and Kirsten Barron. Find all of our episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, on our website, or email us at yougettowork at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. listening. <laughs>